All right, we're going to get you to pull up a quick chair as well. So uh, as you're making your way back to your seats, let me welcome everybody again. My name is Sean. I'm one of the pastors here on this team, and it is great to have you here in the room as well. It's great to have everybody who is online. And listen, I need you to turn to somebody right now. Give them a high five. Just tell them you made it. Uh, you, you woke up this morning, and you're on time. So that is worth celebrating for sure. Well, last week we started a brand new series here at our church called Church and State. Really what we are pitching is this idea of how many people for a really long time have felt and believed that church and state should not be connected. And so we're kind of saying that actually it is, that Jesus is actually very interested in what happens in policy and as we looked at our first uh, message last week, we were talking about the idea, though, of as followers of Christ, if you, follow your, if you call yourself a follower of Jesus, the question was, do you really believe the things that Jesus said? And, and a couple of those things that we had landed on of, of what Jesus has said was, was this, is number one, that you, when it comes to church and state, you're not in it to win it. You know, Jesus came to this earth not to win. He came to lose he gave his life up. And in the same token, we we're asking ourselves the same thing. Are you ready to lose? We talked about how Jesus called us to the gold standard of serving and that our responsibility is to serve. We discussed that Jesus Christ himself came and he gave up his rights. So we made the position last week is, guess what, folks? You don't have any rights if you belong to Jesus and his kingdom and what he recommends and desires of you and I. And then we talked about how love ultimately wins. Jesus said that they will know you by your love. And that becomes important because in a culture and a climate that is very divisive, guess what matters today? Our unity, not our uniformity, our unity, which comes through love. And so we, we looked at these ideas, and I introduced last week what was known as Miles Law. And I'm going to put it up on the screen for us again today just for you to see what it was. But Miles said that where you stand depends on where you sit. What he's contending for is our cultural context, the place where you sit, determines your perspective and where you stand. And here's the thing. We all stand somewhere when it comes to policy. Now, for the sake of today and walking into this morning, I chose to wear the color yellow because it's very neutral and you have no idea where I stand uh, with this. <laughs> On the other hand, my good friend Tim Schindel, who's with us this morning, wore blue. Oh. And, uh, but Tim, tell us, tell us why. Because, because it matches my eyes. Yes. So... We just wanted to make that clear. He's not making a statement, but, uh, but we're here today with this. <laughs> but we asked this question last week, and, and I do want to ask it again of, of all of us. This really is the, the lens as to why we're approaching church and state, and it's this. Are you willing to evaluate your politics through the filter of our faith rather than create a version of faith that supports your politics? So this morning, I want to engage in a very specific conversation about filters. Somebody say filters. 
because this is where we're going to go. And we're going to get practical today as to how does this look? If I have faith in Christ and yet I live in Canada and its political climate, how? How can I do this? How can we do this moving forward? And to do that, I invited Tim Schindel to our stage because Tim is one of our global partners who runs an organization called Leading Influence. Across our nation, Tim is leading, rubbing shoulders with politicians everywhere. So he really does have the voice and the say for what can happen for us today. And so Callwood Church, I'm asking you today, welcome to our stage, Tim Schindel with us this morning. Well, it's good to have you here. It's great to be here. I, I said, you know, I, I just feel like it's a studio audience. We need lights, applause, right? Like, we can have great fun with that, right? <laughs> but listen, you don't want too much more light because then it will make the people blind. The off your head, Yeah, right? off my it's, head. Yeah, so it's there. So. we, we got to be careful with that. Uh, but, Tim, um, leading influence. Maybe tell us a little bit about, because there are probably some of us here today have no idea, what is leading influence? What are you doing with this? Yeah, for sure. Thank you. So, um, Leading Influence provides excellence in spiritual and emotional care to Canadian politicians. So we have a team of spiritual care providers uh, stretching from Victoria, where I started back in 2007, um, all the way to Quebec City. And, and then I work in Ottawa for about a week a month in, in addition to leading the team. So Leading Influence does three things. Number one, we provide spiritual and emotional care to leaders. And it's fascinating because just yesterday, don't stone me because I do this, but just yesterday <laughs> I was listening to The House on CBC, and they were talking about members who were retiring, right, whether provincially okay. or federally. And, um, and they were talking about the toll that politics is taking on, on members or people and how that someone needs to provide emotional support wow. to those people. It's like CBC maybe for the first time ever, is singing my song. And so that's kind of cool, right? So we provide spiritual and emotional care. That is the heart and soul of what we do. We pray for political leaders. So every Monday to Friday, we are writing, we are posting a personalized prayer for political leaders in every province from BC to Quebec, and then three federally. And we do that for a couple of reasons. Number one, um, the Bible tells us we should pray for those right. who, who have authority over us. So A, we're doing it in obedience. Number two... Most of us don't have a clue how to pray for those who are in authority over us. Right. So we, we gave or we provide a template to do that. The third thing is some of us, when we want to pray for people who are in politics, choose the cursing thing, right? <laughs> we pray against this and we pray against that. And we can really kind of foam it up in those moments, if you know what I'm saying, right? Yes. We get pretty lathered up about some of that stuff. But the reality is, is that we accomplish far more by praying prayers of blessing and honor than we ever do uh. by cursing those people in positions of authority. So, so that's wow. the, the second thing that we do. The third thing that we do is we, are, we have just begun to build leaders. And so we are preparing people through our Lead Well course um, to give themselves, to, who are considering running for political office or serving in the political arena, a framework to help them lead and govern through a kingdom context versus a purely partisan context. And I'll tell you that I'm really excited because um, just this week, um, one of our grads announced that she's been named chief of staff to a Toronto city councillor, which is very, very cool. And another one of our candidates, or another one of our grads is um, um, running to win the, the nomination for a federal riding in Manitoba. So if he wins 
and then wins the election, he'll be our first grad sitting in the House of Commons, which will be wow. just way over the top. So that's, that's, in a nutshell, that's what we do. That sounds pretty cool, actually. Thanks. It's um, very cool. And uh, just so that we're all aware today, Tim actually just arrived back from Ottawa this week where he was on the hill and meeting and rubbing shoulders I'm, with people. My ears are almost thawed. I, yeah, it's <laughs> cool this week. But speaking of that, so as you travel and are working in these spheres across our nation, today we're going to engage in the conversation around politicians, yeah. governments. So what is your favorite thing about working with politicians <laughs> And maybe what is stretching to you as well? Well, my favorite thing in working with politicians is that they are all very interesting people, hmm. right? So, so I've, I've yet to meet a boring politician. They always have a story, and there's always an angle. And, and I would say that, like, as a, I mean, I'm still a ministry person, but as a former pastor, right, um, politicians and pastors have a lot in common around, around the idea of, they, they, they signed up to serve and give themselves to something bigger than, than they are. Right. And so, so I love, I love the, the, the friendships that I've built, the relationships that I have with leaders and influencers across the country. And, and just to walk through them, walk with them through their stuff, whatever that stuff looks like. Hmm. What is most challenging to me um, is... Um, what is most challenging to me is watching my brothers and sisters go down rabbit holes. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about, right? Going down rabbit holes and sometimes making, you know, coming to positions and, 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 and um, places where they sit, yeah. right? Places where they sit that, that I, I, I look at as kind of being very contrary to the broader witness of the scriptures. Yeah. And so that, that stuff to me is, it weighs heavy on me. And, and I'll admit that there are times where I rather foolishly try to change their mind online. It's always a bad idea. But, you know, <laughs> right? None of us are perfect. So. <laughs> it is true. Someone once said that nothing divides like politics because nothing divides like fear. It's interesting because politics is a very divisive moment for us as a nation. But I like that because nothing divides like fear. Could you give me your thoughts maybe on that? Yeah. Well, and, and fear has become, like politics used to be in our country, even, even in America, politics used to be about who has the better idea. Right? Who has the stronger idea and how does that idea play out in the nation? But now... Politics is just about, mostly, about fear. If you vote for these people, this is going to happen. If you vote for these people, that is going to happen. If you mm -hmm. vote for us, then those things won't happen. And it's, it's completely nonsensical. It's a massive shell game, but it's all driven around our fear, mm. right? And, and what is it that we fear? Well, we fear, right, within a Christian cult culture or people who hold a Christian worldview, we, we fear the loss we, a, a loss of, of um, privilege. We fear a loss of control. Like there was a mm. day, and really not that long ago, where, where we had a lot of political muscle, right? That, right? that we just honestly don't have anymore, right? And some of us have a hard time figuring that out, that, that we're not where we used to be. So power, control, loss of power, loss of control, a loss of influence, right? Those are the things that we fear. And, it, you know, it's framed around, you know, the fact that we're, we're defending this and we're, we're defending that. And, 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 and certainly that's a factor. Mm -hmm. But the reality is, is that we are driven by the fear of losing power, privilege, control. 
Yeah, no, I think that's good. So it would be very easy for me in front of our church to talk about the different nations of the world. Um, I could pick apart my friends to the south and give you my two thoughts about, right? Because I stand somewhere too. <laughs> uh, we stand and we sit. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> but I, I don't want to do that today. I want to talk about our nation. And so, as, again, you have eyes on our nation these days. What is your perception of the current state of affairs? But where are we trending as a nation that we love called Canada? Yeah. <laughs> well, a lot has changed in the, in the 17 years that I've been doing this. And so I'll give you it from a, from a leadership perspective, and then we can kind of switch to some other things. So when I walked into the BC legislature for the first time, right, 17 years ago, um, most of the people that I engaged with, even if they weren't openly Christian, had some kind of Christian context worldview experience. They, you know, it might have even been like, I went to church with my grandma when we visited her in the summer or at Christmas time. Like it was, but there was something, like there was, there was something. And over 17 years, and it's not just in BC, but, but over those 17 years, that, that dynamic has vanished. Okay. And so you have people now who lead from a very pluralistic view and, and from a, a, a very, you know, w- without any kind of faith, really, at all. And so, so they're, you know, they're trying then to, to a kind of lead from a pluralistic worldview versus a Christian worldview. So that's, that's like, probably the biggest change. And then you combine that, right, that, that then explains the progressive drift, right, that, that we see as part of just the unfolding of history. And more and more, we live in this pluralistic society. So we can see all of that as a threat and a danger. And there are many people who will say, the sky is falling, the sky is falling. This is a threat and a danger. But, but I've had enough trips around the sun at this point in my life that I remember actually in this church, right, probably at this altar, praying as a staff person, right, that God, would you, would you just help us to see what we saw in the early church? So surprise, right? Signs and wonders in the early church, yay. Pluralistic culture in the early church, too. Yeah. yeah. Right? So here we are in this place where God is answering our prayers, right? And, and, and so we can be intimidated by this, right? We can run and hide in the church, you know, hide in a prayer group, hope that nobody finds us, you know. You know, we can do that, or we can do what the early church did. And, you know, and I, when I, as I'm, describing that i'm thinking of paul on mars hill right and he's like show me all of your gods and then he stands in front of the unknown god the altar to the unknown god tells them all about jesus and people repent wow and it's like that's i think the way we need to approach this that that this is for us an opportunity to transform the world not through a political process not from a place of privilege but through the power of the gospel proclaimed clearly and effectively, which is why I'm pumped about the evangelism stuff. Yes. Kind of sounds like Jesus has got us right where he needs us in the view of a pluralistic society. Yeah, which is generally a place that is uncomfortable and stretching. It is. Generally. It it totally is. So with that, like we also see in a pluralistic society, I mean, one of uh, Canada's main growth rates these days is due to immigration. Mm -hmm. So with the nations of the world kind of coming to us now, it means, yes, they're going to bring their certain faith ideals or whatever else would, would shape them. 
But when it comes to religion, definitely in our faith in this nation, I think that what I'm seeing here is that your said religion, whatever it is, uh, for the most part, it's okay for your private life, but it's not good in the public square anymore. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I would say that that um, if you are of some some faith groups, let's put it this way, get more of a free pass than Christians do. And I know, right, that some of you are going, that's discrimination, and that's not fair. And and the difficulty with that is that is that we've been around here for a couple hundred years, and um, we have some we have some blood on our hands, not Callwood Church. But right. the church, the Canadian church we're talking about, we've got blood on our hands and some things. There are some terrible things that have happened in our nation through people of faith or people who identified as being people of faith. And we have, you know, parts of, of the church that were complicit in, in things, in, in chapters of our, of our Canadian history that are dark and evil. Mm. And we live with the fallout of that. Right, and it's like you know, I, I, I'm like, it's like I didn't do that. That's true, but you know, the sins of the fathers are passed on, and so we're living with that fallout, which is why we often get kind of an arm's length because people go, "Been there, we've been there and done that with you." Yeah. Right. We've been there and done that with you, and and so so it creates this bias that that, that we have to overcome. We have, to, we have to navigate, and, and ultimately we have to overcome, right, by demonstrating love, demonstrating kindness, honor, and respect. Like, if, if we go into a war over that, we're going to lose, yeah. and badly. Yeah, I think that's fair. I think, like, as I listen to you chat, and being that we're in church or state, there's, there's one, I think there's one word that I could replace in the middle of my series title, uh, and it's not the word and, but it would be distrust. Church distrusts state. State distrusts church. True or false? <laughs> Both. <laughs> Both. So, so there is, right? The state distrusts the church. You know, partly because our worldview becomes, is, is more and more um, clashing, right, with, with the prevailing worldview. Mm-hmm. So, so there's that distrust. And and um, and then it's like well you know there's all that stuff that you that you're guilty of right and there's that distrust and right so we have that piece and then the, and then the church we distrust the state because it's like you're not really up to what's good for us anymore right you're up to other things now and so that that all all feeds this this vicious circle I don't trust you you don't trust me that never ends well. So one of the things that one of the reasons that we do prayer breakfasts across the country is because we want to bring our political friends. I, I mean, and ideally, certainly our Christian members come, but we love it when, when members who have no faith in Jesus, we love it when they come and we put them together with our church friends and then we just let the magic happen, <laughs> right? Because what happens as they share a meal together and they have polite conversation, because nobody's going to act badly if you act, do act badly, there we'll just remove you. But but you know we have people, right? But nobody's going to act badly in that environment, right? Yeah. Um, and and then so so what happens is is our political friends go away and go. You know, your church friends, they're really pretty cool. Hmm. 
right? And, and, and our church friends go, we're going, well, that, politi- that politician that I sat with is really not the spawn of Satan, right. you know? And so I'll, I'll give you an example of one of, the, my, my, one of my favorite stories is, is um, when we did our first prayer breakfast back in 2007 in the Union Club, in downtown, in um, downtown Victoria, we had, uh, I think, a total of 40 people in the room. Seven members came. And one of the 40 people who was in the room was a woman named Ione Robinson, who is a giant. Some of you here know her. She taught at Colwood Elementary a long, long time ago. Now is watching my sermon from heaven. I know it. She's cheering me on. Mm-hmm. But Ione sat with the then minister of education. So you have a former teacher sitting with the minister of education, and they became friends. And they exchanged email addresses, and Ione would email the minister and encourage her. The minister would email Ione and go, I have this problem. Would you pray for me? And it was this beautiful friendship that played out over probably 14, 13, 14 years. And this is no exaggeration. Ione, would, she was like the queen when she came to our prayer breakfast, right? They, they would, <laughs> members who, like all political sides, would line up to get a picture with Ione, right? And I'd say this, we need Ione's to come out of Colwood Church. Yes. We need, give us 100 Ione's out of Colwood Church. I love it. I, um, today, in specific, I, I wanted to talk about this idea of filters. And I've, I'm asking the question of our church Listen, are you placing your political filter in front of your faith filter? And what we're talking about there is our allegiance is not to this nation. Yes, secondary. Our allegiance is to Jesus. Yes. Or are we placing our filter? So let's, can you ask us, what does it look like for those of us here when we've got our political filter in front of our faith filter? What does it look like? Well, it doesn't look good. <laughs> It doesn't look good. You remember that? And I forget who the community was, but you might be a redneck if. Remember that whole thing? Jeff Foxworthy. Jeff Foxworthy. I, I've never watched him. I don't know. I'm <laughs> Me either. Uh, see, there you go. But apparently John Ayers has because that right. was a good belly laugh. But, but there you go. So you might be viewing the world through a political filter if, and I'll put on my motorcycle glasses, but only for a minute because this is really hard on my eyes, Right. You might be viewing the world through a political filter if your world is all about us and them. It's me and my ideas versus the world, Okay. right? Versus the world. And, and everything becomes very black and white, right? It's like, if you're not this, then you're this, right? There's a kind of a spoof video thing about on YouTube about stuff Saskatchewan people say, right? And one of the things <laughs> is, you know, are you a conservative or are you a commie? Right. right. It's crazy, right? This is crazy. But, but it's like that, that's a picture of people when, yes. when, we're, when we're viewing the world through a political view or, or, or through a political filter. That's what that looks like. How do I know? I'm, I'm, I, I, my world is being shaped by or I'm viewing the world through a political filter. Well, if I spend a lot of time watching cable news or hmm. YouTube channels, right, hmm. that support my political views. Now, you have to understand right, that all of that stuff is, is created not to give you a balanced view, not to help you think critically, right. but frankly, to push all your buttons yes. to make you the crazy person on social media, huh. right? That, that's what it's designed to do. So it's designed to create this outrage where good sense goes out the window and you just foam at the mouth like the person on the screen. Who wants you to foam at the mouth like him or her, 
whatever it might be. So, you know, if you're outraged all the time about political stuff, you're probably viewing the world through a political filter. If I'm guilty of this, I don't know if it would happen to any of you, but I'm guilty of this. If you're guilty, if, if you've ever spoke or, or when you've spoken back at the screen, <laughs> sometimes in a loud voice, maybe using colorful language, you're viewing the world through a political filter, right? So what else, what else do I have here? Oh, here's another. You're viewing the political filter, right, when you engage strangers on social media about their political differences. Huh. That's probably a good sign that you're viewing the world through a political filter. Right? When I see or hear political leaders and, and, or, or their decisions creating negative emotions in me, that's viewing the world through my political filter. When the person who I disagree with politically becomes my enemy, wow. viewing the world through a political filter, right? Wow. Finally, my hope, when my hope, my primary hope or fear for the nation is based on political change, political change, okay? Then I'm viewing the world through a political filter. So if my idea is this, right? That if this person becomes the president or the prime minister, it's all going to hell in a handbasket, wow. okay? Right? That's a bad thing. Or if this person becomes the prime minister or the president, then everything will be good again. We'll go back to, you know, leave it to beaver days. Like, yeah, that, like, it's just not, like, then you know I'm, I'm viewing the world through a, a political filter. So political filter makes everything about gaining political influence and power. Now, this is interesting. Matthew chapter 4, verse 8. Matthew chapter 4, verse 8. Jesus is being tempted by Satan. Satan takes him to, the, to this high point, and he says to him, I'll give you all the kingdoms of the world if you'll bow down and worship me. Now, Jesus turns his back on that temptation, right? The church has not been as wise or discerning, hmm. right? We have fallen into this trap where it's like we're going to align with this party and, we're, and then this is going to happen, but it never turns out that way. Wow. I've noticed, especially, Tim, in the last number of years, and, and I'm going to just speak about a personal application to me, in how I had people through our COVID years here come and ask me to politicize and make a position and make a statement as a leader of a church. And what I found very interesting with that is that the moment I make a side, I have now then just said and ignored 50% of the other side. So for me, I felt I'm in a lose-lose situation here. And I don't think Jesus asked me to politicize anything that way. Do I have beliefs? Yes, I do. But it was interesting because I realized I would have to ignore perhaps the other side. And that's not healthy. Well, it's not a, win. It's not a kingdom win, right? There's a political win in that. Right? But there's not a kingdom win in that, which is one of the reasons that at Leading Influence, we don't take a political position on anything. We don't lobby. We don't you know, deliver petitions. We don't protest. We don't do any of that stuff because, I mean, here's the reality, right? You can form government, either provincially or federally, with about 37% of the vote, which means that if you start taking political sides, you're alienating six out of 10 people wow. in the room, right, on everything. Wow. Right? Like, you know, this idea that everybody agrees on everything, right, is just, I mean, it's, it's a nice idea, completely false, yeah. but a nice idea. I, I quoted a, a great author, and, and he said, a political filter makes everything about gaining political power and influence 
comes with a price. You know, we lose the spiritual and the moral authority to be the salt and light in our world. And the salt loses its saltiness. You happen to say that. I, apparently I did. I'd like um, to read the book. Yeah. Yeah. So unpack that, though. Well, it's, you know, it's, thank, thank you. It's an interesting st- statement, not because I said it, but, but just because <laughs> it is, yeah. right? We have to understand that, that in, 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 in the public square, everything has a price, right? Everything costs us something. Yep. So when we align with a political ideology, right, or a political party, and, and we'll use, right, we're going to use America as an example, right? The fallout for the American church in backing the former president, right, and, and, and kind of rolling down that road, and, and, and there are reasons why they did it, but the fallout on that has been tremendous in terms of lost credibility, so when Jesus talks about the salt having lost its saltiness, he's talking about credibility. Right. And when we lose our credibility, we no longer have impact. Hmm. And, and that's a huge loss for us. So when we put our political filter ahead of our faith filter, we are absorbed by the culture, and the moral ethical needle moves the wrong way. The wrong way. For our nation. Yes. Okay. That's the political filter. Can, let's talk about the faith filter because oh, that's let's, probably let's. a lot of our common ground here today. You got another pair of shades here. This is good. When I see the world with a faith filter, what does that look like for us then? Well, I can see clearly now wow. the rain is gone. <laughs> <laughs> so w- when I view the world through, through a kingdom filter, right, I'm not seeing what's happening I, I, I'm aware of what's happening politically, but what's happening politically doesn't shape my worldview, right? Here's, here's, the, here's the reality, right? Is that, and I love the, 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 the theme in worship this morning about the supremacy of Jesus. Yes. Right? Jesus is always King of kings and Lord of lords. Yes. My hope is not ever, if I'm looking through a faith filter, my hope is never ever in who sits in office, who wins an election. Like, it needs to happen. We need to vote. You need to show up, engage politically, buy memberships, put signs on your lawn. If that's what you want to do, be nice to the people who have a different color sign than you. All of that. Do all of that stuff, right? But never, ever put your hope in a political win as a way to transform the world. That's good. Right? Always, always, always. Jesus is always King of kings. He is always Lord of lords. His kingdom will reign forever and forever and forever. And it doesn't matter who sits in the prime minister's office, the premier's office, the president's office. He is always king. He is always king. And when I view the world that way, when I view the world that way, I, I live a much more chill life yes. than, than when I'm, I'm, you know, arguing with who I think is the village idiot, right? right. Uh, something else. Yes. So I, I, I was told to say it in the second service, so there it is. <laughs> um, there it is. But, but see, this is, is, this is a really important thing here because, because we want to think about, about Jesus having political favorites, right? Hmm. We want to think about Jesus having political favorites. And so, so we have this, this kind of matrix that, that we talk about the values of the kingdom being spread across the political spectrum, right? 
So, you know, there's this notion that Christians only vote this way. I, I just had a, you know, I fell into this trap. and had a long conversation, a too-long conversation with someone from Alberta who believes that Jesus is conservative. I tried to change his thinking, but that just didn't work. But, but here's the thing, right? The first command that God gave to Adam and Eve was to take care of the garden. Adam and Eve were the original greeners, right? Hmm. The values of the kingdom around environmental stewardship and protection are represented very well by Team Green, right? So if you want to, if you feel like you're passionate about, about environmental stewardship and environmental protection, hey, and you want to vote Team Green, knock yourself up, put up a sign, you know, campaign, do whatever it is you want to do, and don't believe anybody who says you're somehow missing the heart of God. Wow. Right? Others would say this. Team Orange was born in church basements. Tommy Douglas, amazing Baptist pastor out of Weyburn, Saskatchewan, right? Who got tired of seeing his people going bankrupt because they couldn't afford to pay for medical care. So Tommy Douglas creates the CCF, which ultimately became the NDP, and it was the father of Medicare. But the NDP was born in church basements. I know they've drifted from, from their thing, but their, their, their core DNA is around, their core DNA is around caring for the poor, the widow, and the orphan, which James writes and says is pure religion. Right. It's an expression of pure religion. Hmm. So, so the NDP, to this day, advocates more than anyone else for the poor the orphan, and the oppressed, the widow. Hmm. I mean, even just this week, Jagmeet Singh, the leader of the right, was, was taking, you know, grocery store CEOs to task over the price of groceries. Whether he's right or wrong is immaterial. The fact is, he, he, he's speaking for people who can't afford to buy groceries. Right. right? That's, good, that's a good thing. So if you're here today, and I know you are, <laughs> right, and you want to vote for Team Orange, knock yourself out. Do all of that stuff, right? You're, Jesus loves you and loves your political preference, right? See, sees value in your political preference, just like he does with Team Green. Let's go to Team Red for a minute. So there's a song that we used to sing in Sunday school that we can't sing anymore called All the Children of the World. If you know the song, you know why we can't sing it anymore. But, but it was a good song because it talked about, about how that Jesus was inclusive, right, in his love for people. Yeah. Right? And, and, and the, one of the kind of key ethoses, if you will, of, the, of the, the Liberal Party, either provincially or federally, is this idea that let's come from wherever you are, come from whatever perspective you have, let's come together, let's build a better Canada. Hmm. Right? That's a biblical value. Let's bring people together. Then you have Team Blue. Team Blue is probably mostly about sound financial stewardship, right? Like I know that we can argue a whole bunch of things, but, but that's probably their sweet spot, hmm. right? Jesus is all about sound stewardship of financial resources. And if you want to, we can talk about Team Purple. They've yet to ever elect anybody, but if they do, right? If they do, we'll, we'll talk more about them, right? But... But um, their, their thing is really probably mostly around personal autonomy, 
right? Personal autonomy, personal freedom. So Jesus, right, God gave when he created us, he gave us all a free will, right? So their value, their kingdom value is around free will. So across the political spectrum, all the values of the kingdom are represented. And you are no evil, you are no more evil or no more better than anyone else if you have a different political view. Wow. Like, knock it out. I mean, I think in the next election, bring all your bumper stickers, park them all right in the lot, and no, have coffee with each don't other. Don't do that. No, don't. No, I'm I, don't. No. Don't, don't really. <laughs> yeah. I'm not pastoring anymore. Do it. No. <laughs> as long as you love each other and have coffee and are right. respectful as you do it, it's all good. Right? It's, it's all good. But yeah, sorry about that, Sean. I take, I take that back. Don't do that. <laughs> The that that part though of the ethos of even just the parties and just really seeing the heartbeat of God in it in its base foundation is very vital, because I think that often when we when this distrust has been built in our nation, we are we try to villainize rather than say oh that's a that's a child of God too, and they're just trying to do their thing, albeit right or wrong. I yeah. understand that, but that's interesting. So when we're lifting the the faith filter in front Mm -hmm. the statement would be then that when we put our faith filter ahead of our political filter we change the culture and we move the moral and the ethical needle for our nation yes forward yeah because one of the things you said earlier was that a lot of what we do whether we pray and talk and act it's against yeah but jesus has always been for people so I love what you're saying there. Okay, with a couple minutes left here, I am curious then, um, what do you dream of in moving the needle in our nation? And for a bunch of folks here today that follow Jesus Christ, how can we help in this political world? What does it look like? I have a dream. <laughs> I have a dream. Somebody here would say, I would say this. I've got a great idea. It'll take hardly any of your time. <laughs> you have to have some history to, with me to know that. But, but I have a dream. I have a dream. And my dream is this, that if we could mobilize, like legitimately mobilize the church across the country, but we're, we're in Victoria, so we're going to talk about BC, across BC to pray with purpose and passion that God would work and move in the hearts of our leaders, that would accomplish more than any protest that ever happens in front of the building, any petition we might sign, any lobbyist we might hire. Like, we didn't talk about this in the, in the, in the first service, but, but I can tell you story after story after story of what's happened in BC as we have seen God work in the hearts of leaders, I, I can't tell you who who this person is, but but uh, Jason, who is our, our chaplain here, and I were um, were invited to to dedicate a a statue, pray a prayer of dedication for a statue, a memorial statue on the back side of the building. If you've never been back there, there's some beautiful um, memorials of for for different you know parts of of um, our, of our province. And so we get invited to do this thing, and we go to the pre-meeting, and people are in the room, and this one member who's participating snubbed us. Like, I, I, don't, I don't really care. I've got thick skin. I'm a big boy. I can, I can take a snub. And so the first one was like, well, maybe they didn't see me. I won't, even, I won't use the name, but maybe they didn't see us. 
right? Or maybe they were distracted or whatever. And then we go outside and we're sitting on the front row and, and this person comes down the row and shakes everyone's hand, gets to us, turns, and walks away. And it's like, well, that's kind of weird. <laughs> then, all on the same day, then we go downstairs for lunch. We have a, a, a reservation for whatever time. We're just standing outside the dining room waiting, waiting for our reservation. This person comes by, completely unprovoked. We haven't obviously had a word with them all day. This person says, you know, if I had my way, you guys wouldn't be walking around here praying. I'd never vote against it, but I want you to know I'm not good with it. Wow. All right, Dad. <laughs> Have a nice lunch. <laughs> Off they go. Time goes on, right? We keep doing our prayers. We keep doing our thing, our, our, our daily prayers. And, um, and when Pastor Al retired, I brought him down to the building. This member stands up and acknowledges him, and acknowledges his contribution. And in the process of acknowledging him and his contribution, acknowledged that, he, you know, in, in, in their words, said, he says something nice about us here every day, right? Because he's not going to say prayer, right? <laughs> so, so we go through that. Then I move on to Toronto in, in 2017. I'm working there. And, and, and there's a personal circumstance in this member's life. And they lose someone who's very important to them. Jason drove up to attend that funeral and uh, saw them a few days later in the building and said, hey, so-and-so, I, uh, I, I'm sorry about your loss. I, I w- was at the funeral, but I didn't want to bother you. You were there? Hmm. Yeah, I was there. I, I thought it meant it was, it was the right thing for me to be there, just to communicate my support for you. And that conversation changed everything. Wow. Changed everything. To this day, when that member sees Jason in a hallway, they will divert. With their, their staff just has to wait until they have this meaningful conversation mm. with Jason. And it's this fascinating thing. And all of that came because we were just faithful to pray. Wow. All of that came because we were just faithful to pray. There are 89 members in the BC legislature who are likely never, most of them are likely never to come through these doors, ever. But they can't escape the power of prayer. Right. They can't, you can't hide from the power of prayer. Right? And, and they can't hide from a God who loves them deeply and yeah. wants to work in their lives. Yeah. And so, friends, I would, I would encourage you to open up your phone. You can do it right now. Hit your Facebook or Insta, whatever it is. Find PrayBC. Give us a follow. Right? Every day you get a prayer. Every day you can pray that prayer. You can use it. Just pray the prayer and be done with it. Or you can, right, if you want to use that as a springboard into something else, I promise you we can change the direction of our nation by doing this. It's not a revival. right? We're not praying for a revival. right? We're praying for transformation in the lives of leaders. Because as their hearts are changed, as their minds are changed, then policy changes. And none of it has anything to do with the, the messy, slimy side of protest politics. Wow. Isn't that wow? Yes. Like, seriously, I, that, that, but that's my dream. I am super encouraged with this conversation today and yeah, what you brought, Tim. Have you enjoyed this this morning, everybody? Wow. So good. Thanks for taking some time, though, to help us try to navigate our filters, both political, state, and church faith. And, Tim, I, I'm wondering, like, 
would you be okay to maybe pray over us um, that we step into moving the needle for our nation, not against it anymore, and to be there for people who need Jesus? I'll do my best. I'm very shy to pray in front of people. (laughs) (laughs) Let's pray together. Father, we, we are so blessed to know that you are King of Kings, that you are Lord of Lords. You are seated on high. And because of that, as Psalm 46 says, we will not fear. Right. We will not fear because God is within her. Mm. Father, I'd ask you to forgive me for the times when when I've viewed the world through a political lens and I've let I've let my political views run away. And I've, in that moment I've lost sight of you. In that moment my opinions have become personal against other people, my judgments against other people, people that you've put in authority over us have become negative, and, and all of that is wrong, and I own it, and I ask you to forgive me. Mm-hmm. I pray the same for my friends who are here today, that God, the times when, when, when we tap into outrage and go down, go down the political filter road, we just help us, help us to see we've, where that we've fallen into the trap that the enemy has laid, mm-hmm. and, that, um, and, that, and that you're inviting us to repentance and to, to make it right with you. I pray today, God, that you would raise people up here today, Mm -hmm. that we would forsake our political filters, we would embrace a faith filter that would transform this nation, Not not because our hope is in a political solution, but because our hope is in a kingdom solution. Our hope is in seeing you established as King of Kings and Lord of Lords in the hearts and lives of people, not because it's forced upon them, but because they are drawn to you by your spirit, by your love, by your grace, by your peace, by your mercy. Yes. Oh, God. Give us a fresh vision for our province. Give us a fresh vision for our nation yes. that would not be shaken by what we see, by, by what we, but what we see in front of us, but it would be shaped by what we see by faith. Amen. Help us today. Let your blessing be on Colwood Church. Thank you for it. It's, it's role in my life, the influence that it's had, the generosity that we experience. God, prosper this church in every way, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, folks, as we uh, come to the conclusion here today, perhaps you're here in the room or you may be online today and you're, you have no idea about this Jesus that we are lifting up here today. My encouragement to you would be to text the word life today to 250-478-7113 where one of our team will, would love to help you understand more about who this Jesus is and perhaps make that relationship change in your life as well. So please take advantage of that today. I know Tim will be sticking around, so if you want to come and have a conversation with Tim, do that as well. If you are brand new and are in the building today, please make sure you head over to our Welcome Center where Pastor Levi, Pastor James are present to do that. But other than that, Chuck your faith glasses on as you head out into this week. Chuck those filters on. We love you, church, and we will see you next week as we continue. Church and states, onward and upwards. (laughs) Love you.